Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here in the presence of real people, which is a massive blessing, but also to be able to speak to all of those of you who are out there, uh, to be able to speak to my mum and my auntie and my sisters and everyone who's been joining Ivy Church over the last six or seven months since we've gone online. We're in a series, as you know, about the fruit of the Spirit. And today I'm going to be talking to you about the fruit of goodness. Let's just remind ourselves of the verse in Galatians that the fruits are listed in. It's Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. And it says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Often we can think about these things as stuff that we need to add into our Christian life. It can feel like a bit of a burden. It can feel like there's a new task for us to take on. But it talks in this scripture, if we read it, that they are fruits of the Spirit. They are things that are grown in us and through us by God himself and his Holy Spirit living in us. There is no burden to be added. There is no pressure for us to take on. These are the natural outworkings of our faith and our life lived with God. The word for goodness in Galatians is very similar to the word for kindness. And Hannah did such a fantastic job last week, didn't she, telling us about kindness. The Greek word is actually agathosine. And it's not a word that was commonly used in Greek at the time. It wasn't a type of goodness that people understood at the time. It was a new goodness, a special goodness, a goodness that only came from God. It's an active goodness, at times even an aggressive goodness. The goodness that Jesus showed in cleansing the temple when he drove out the illegal money changers. Goodness does something. It's not just about good thoughts. It's not just about a good heart. It's about good action and good activity. Many of us in this room, perhaps many of, us of, you, many of you out there, think that, you know, when it comes to goodness... We're probably not that bad, are we? We look at it in relative measures. You know, maybe I'm a little bit better than Boris at the moment, but definitely not as good as Marcus Rashford doing all this great campaigning to end child hunger. Maybe, you know, I'm a bit better than the person out there who hasn't got it all together, but I'm probably not as good as my gran was. We always look at goodness in relative terms and we compare ourselves to other people. And often we fall short of a really high standard of goodness because we think it's okay to be okay. Pretty okay is the standard that most of us think is fine. But I've got two questions for you. Is pretty okay actually okay? And isn't goodness, this fruit of the Spirit, this attribute of God, something significantly more than that? The fact that they needed a whole new word to talk about it, I think shows that perhaps it is. So today we're going to dig into a story that you will have heard many times before, but it shows what Jesus sees as good, and it's got some really important lessons for us to learn. So let's listen to my mate Jen. Just then, a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what is written in God's law? How do you interpret it? 
he said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbour as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked. And just how would you define neighbour? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across the other side. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan travelling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfected and bandaged his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him into an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to an innkeeper, saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay it on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbour to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly. The religious scholar responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. Jenny was reading to us from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, that very well-known story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus was telling that story to people who thought that they were the good ones. They thought that they were the chosen ones. They thought that they were more than pretty okay. They thought they were fully right with God. And this story must have gone down like a bombshell. It was a drop the mic kind of moment. It was all wrong. Jesus was saying the wrong thing. The wrong person was good. I don't know how much of the context of this story that you know, but the Samaritan was not a friend of the Jews. The Samaritan was hated. The Samaritan was the enemy. The Samaritan was the bad guy. We often tell stories, don't we, in our culture that affirm who we think is good and who we think is bad. And what Jesus does here is flips that story on its head and it leaves his hearers baffled. It leaves them confused. And more than anything, it leaves them completely challenged to their core that goodness could come from someone hated, from someone other, from someone despised. And that is the story that he told. It tells us also this story about what is not good. It shows up a bunch of attitudes. It shows up a bunch of behaviours that are not okay by Jesus' standards. You know, it isn't okay to harbour prejudice. It's not okay to be too busy. It's not okay to pass by on the other side. And it's not okay to do nothing. We all probably know that famous uh, quote by Edmund Burke, which says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. Perhaps we need to dig a little bit deeper to see how offensive, to see how challenging this message of Jesus was. I tried to think about some um, uh, good Samaritan uh, comparatives to today's culture to put it in our terms. How would it look today? Would it be a member of Boko Haram creeping into a recently bombed out church in northern Nigeria to rescue a young Christian who's wounded? Would it be a Palestinian Arab showing mercy to an Israeli settler? How about a Trump supporter, a right-wing person, a member of the NRA perhaps, who shows mercy to an asylum seeker? 
Maybe a young black family who come across members of the BNP who've recently had a car accident. Maybe a member of parliament, perhaps someone from the royal family, who rather than sending security out to deal with the homeless person who's constantly begging outside their doors, steps in and does something about it for themselves. There are many, many divides in our nation and across the nations, and those are perhaps just a few of them. There are divides when it comes to disability and ability. There are massive divides when it comes to race and ethnicity. There are divides around sexuality, around politics. Everywhere you look, you can see that we are a divided society. I don't know if any of you have watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. For some reason, the other Saturday night, I thought this might be some entertaining viewing for us. Uh, I watched it with horror as I started to realise the way that the, um, the internet and, and the way the algorithms work craft us and craft what we see to fundamentally agree with what we think and feed us over and over again more and more. We never see difference anymore apart from difference that is bad. We never have a broad view anymore. We're increasingly narrow-minded, seeing and echoing what we believe over and over again. And yet Jesus crosses this divide. On Sunday night, we had Emma Stark lead us, and she spoke to us about radical community. If you didn't watch it, then I'd really encourage you to, um, to get back on YouTube and to watch that incredible preach Because we are called as Ivy Church and as the church in Britain and as the church worldwide to be a radical community. A community that crosses divide. A community that actually sees good, that sees God in the other. That sees God in the face of the person we don't get. That sees God in the face of the person we fear. That sees God in the face of the person whose life choices are significantly different to our life choices. This is a radical and a challenging message for us today. I'm part of something called the Eden Network, and we send and support teams of missionaries to live in urban communities. Myself and my husband, many, many years ago, signed up and joined and moved into a little community called Mersey Bank, just up the way from here. And we were so naive. We went thinking as missionaries that we had all the answers and we had all the goodness and we had all the suggestions and we had everything that was needed to take to this place to see it transformed by Jesus. And over the years, we've learned a big lesson, sometimes the hard way, that we don't have it all together, that we don't have everything. But actually, God has stuff to work in us and through us. And God is already working in and through our neighbours. We've been more blessed by our community than the amount of blessing I'm sure that we have brought. I have been more challenged by the goodness and the righteousness in others than I have seen goodness and righteousness often in my own life. You see, what is it about the Samaritan that is good? The Samaritan in this story, I think, represents Jesus. He represents God. He sees the man who is bleeding and broken. He sees him and he takes, uh, pays him his attention. And that seeing, that noticing, leads him to compassion. He cares. He doesn't dismiss it. He doesn't apportion blame. He doesn't say they should have done this and should have done that and should have done the other and they wouldn't have been in this pickle in the first place. I'm sure many of us think that sometimes, don't we? He doesn't assume it's not his problem. 
I love the phrase in the message translation of the Bible, which is what Jen, wrote, what Jen read to us, which said that his heart went out to the man. What a beautiful picture of goodness. Our hearts going out. That which is in us coming outside of us to take action and to do something. The third thing that the Samaritan did was that he responded at great cost to himself. There was cost in his time. There was cost in his money. There was a risk to him if the bandits should come back. There was also a risk to him reputationally. What would other Samaritans think when they found out that he'd been helping a Jew, the hated Jews uh, from the Samaritan side as well? He'd crossed a line. And yet he did it anyway because he saw the need, because he saw the man was broken and bruised and bleeding. And isn't that the story of the gospel? That Jesus sees us, that he sees us in our brokenness, that he sees us as we're bleeding, that he sees us as we're confused, as we're frustrated, as we're hamstrung. And at great cost to himself, he crosses the divide. He steps in, he picks us up and he, re- he rescues us and heals us and sets it right. Nikki Gumbel says, true holiness is when you leave every person more alive than when you found them. How are we helping other people to be more alive today? There's also a warning that comes in this parable. The parable is actually a response to a couple of questions from a religious scholar, somebody who knows the word of God, someone who's been trained in the word of God, someone whose whole life has been about the word of God. And he asks two questions of Jesus. First of all, he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Sounds like a good question. What should I do? How do I get on with it? Give me some answers, God. And yet Jesus turns the question around and he says, you know what it is that you have to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. There is no addition to that commandment. There's no qualification. There's no specific detail that is required. The commandment and obedience to the commandment is enough. John Wesley tells us to do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. We love quotes like this, don't we? We love how-tos. We love do it this way. We love do it that way. We love programs and projects. And yet Jesus is steering the man away from that. And he's reminding him that it's obedience to God and obedience to his command that is needed first. It's not about the detail. It's not about a program or a project. It's not about what I can do in my own strength. And it's not about making sure that I'm going to be all right in the end. He switches it round. Look at me, he says. Look at them. The second question that the man comes back with then is, who is my neighbor? You know, he's trying to buy some more time. Again, the message translation says he's looking for a loophole. I love a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Christian uh, during the Second World War, a German guy. And um, he fought against Hitler. And actually, he ended up losing his life, as did many members of his family. And Bonhoeffer talks about this question. And he says that, again, the young man has got the wrong end of the stick. Because it's not about who is my neighbor. It's about I am a neighbor. He says, you are the neighbor. Go along and try to be obedient by loving others. Neighborliness is not a quality in other people. 
It is simply their claim on ourselves. We are the good neighbour. We are the one to um, extend neighbourliness in every situation. It's not about finding a way to do it and joining in and doing that every time. It's about being in communion with God, about offering our lives to him and about using the goodness that he puts in us to respond in every situation that we find ourselves to every person who comes across our path. Maybe that's your your actual neighbours. Maybe that's your friends. Maybe that's your family. Who it is is less important than the fact that we're willing to be a good neighbour. You know, Jesus doesn't give us a list of to-dos. He doesn't give us a 10-step program. He doesn't give us a, a map for the journey ahead. But he offers to be our guide. He offers to be with us. He offers to transform our hearts. You know, it's not about behavior modification. Lots of people think that's what Christianity is about, isn't it? Often behavior modification is what leads to all this virtue signaling that goes on online, isn't it? I believe this and therefore I'm good. I do this and therefore I'm good. You know, the word do-gooder is an insult for a reason. Because doing good for doing good's sake is really pointless. We do good because goodness is a standard and is a quality that comes from knowing Jesus and that is given to us and shown to us and that we can give to and show out of ourselves. It comes back to what the prophet Micah said back in the Old Testament. Many of you again will have heard this verse, but it says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If we walk humbly with our God, if we acknowledge that he is our king, that he is our Lord, that we don't look for a program or a project to add on to a decent life, but we throw away the life that we had and embrace a new one, then we will see his kingdom come. Then we will see his goodness shown in us and through us to the people around us. That moves me on to the book of Romans. That word that we talked about before, that agathosone, I should have had it in front of me when I tried to read that because it's, my Greek is not a thing. Agathosune uh, is also found in the book of Romans in chapter 14, verse 17. It says this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit grows on us, in us and through us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And as we live a life of goodness, as we engage in the world around us, as we seek to call out injustice, as we seek to love our neighbour, as we seek to do good to everyone and to aspire to a standard that's not just pretty okay or fairly average or a little bit better than him, her or that other person, then we start to see the kingdom rolling in the kingdom coming forward that is the kingdom that we desire that is the kingdom that frankly we need to see coming in it doesn't take much to understand what's going on in our world in our um, uh, survey that we had done as part of our our Ivy Church looking at uh, the pandemic and how things are going many people flagged up injustice many people flagged up that there is much division many people flagged up that there are glaring needs and gaps and holes in our society 
Nothing is going to be done about them if we're constantly looking to see who's got a program and who's got a project and what can I join in with? Because it's going to take each of us to do something. For goodness sake, we need to do something. We need to live a life of goodness that overcomes injustice, that overcomes badness and pain and evil and challenge. And perhaps that feels like a massive weight and a massive burden to you. But let me remind you what I said earlier on. Goodness is not something we need to do. It's not something we need to add into our existing lives. We don't need to try harder to be more good. Goodness is something supplied to us through the Holy Spirit. And the source of goodness is God himself. If we spend time in him, if we walk humbly with him, his goodness will grow in us. And it's up to us to give his goodness out into the communities, into the world that we live in. The kingdom is coming through goodness breaking in. Will we be good people for Jesus? Will we be bringers of the kingdom? Will we be part of a radical community that crosses divides that have long kept us apart from people who are different to us and brings together something beautiful and radical and kingdom and challenging that says to the world, there is a king who is good, who is coming and he deserves our allegiance because he is good. Perhaps we should respond to this challenge this morning. If you're able to and feel comfortable to, perhaps you could put your arms out in a posture of um, receiving. I want to challenge you to think about the story. Who are you in this story? All of us want to be the Samaritan, don't we? All of us want to be the one who saw the wounded person and did something. But that role is taken that one is Jesus. So who are we? Are we the man bruised and beaten in need of help? Maybe we're resistant to that help because we don't fully understand what Jesus has to offer us or who he really is. Are we the religious scholar wondering what program to take up, what project to do, how, what is the means to the end of being good? What can I do? Maybe we're the Levite or the judge, blind and ignorant, to what is going on around us, rushing to get to the next thing, steeped in prejudice. It's not okay for us to stay in any of those positions. Maybe just take a moment in the quiet to ask Jesus, who am I right now? And where do you need to act to bring goodness to me? We're just going to be quiet for a short moment. And we're going to listen. For those of you who are bruised and beaten, there is a saviour, there is a healer. Will you accept him? today he's there he's waiting he'll pick you up he'll fix you up everything is repairable 
for those of you who are getting caught up in what should I do and how should I do it and what's the best way and how can I make it happen and how can I stay in control just let go just stop it's not about how it's not about what it's about who who is God and who are you And for those of you who harbour ignorance, who harbour blindness, whose lives are too busy to care, whose compassion is in short supply, for those of us who have prejudices, who cannot see God in the other because the other is so offensive, the other is so terrifying, the other is so unknown, ask him to show you himself in the face of another. Ask him to show you his goodness in the eyes and the heart and the arms of another, one who is not like you, and draw nearer, draw closer, heal the divide, cross the line. That is how we will be radical in community. Let's just pray together. Jesus, would you change our hearts this morning? Would you open our eyes? Would you heal our wounds? Would you help us to move across a divide and across a line? Jesus, would you enable our hearts to go out today, to meet injustice face to face, and to bring goodness in every situation, in every moment of lives? Would you transform us, God? We long to see the world around us transformed, but Jesus, we give you permission first. Transform me. Transform my heart. Jesus, as I said before, is good, but sometimes that good can almost be aggressive. Sometimes that good can be challenging because goodness doesn't leave us where we are. Goodness doesn't leave us in half measures. Goodness doesn't leave us as pretty okay. Goodness has a higher standard and a higher calling are you ready for it thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org media